Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? And he said to them, well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me as teaching, as doctrines, the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. And he said to them, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establishing the tradition. For Moses said, honor your father and mother, and whoever reviles father and mother must surely die. But you say, if a man tells his father and mother, whatever you have gained from me is Corban, that is given to God. Then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother, and thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and many such things that you do. And he called the people to him again and said to them, hear me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And when, had, when he had entered the house, the people left, and the disciples asked him about the parable. And he said to them, then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from the outside cannot defile him, since it enters not his heart, but his stomach, and is expelled? Thus declaring all foods clean. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. This is the word of the Lord. Pray with me. Uh, God, I'm just thankful to be here. I'm thankful that we get to be in the presence of, of your people uh, and ultimately in your presence in and through your word. God, we're here because we want to know who you are. Uh, it is our tendency to kind of just guess or predict what we would want, uh, but we don't want to know a God outside of who you are. And so teach us about yourself, uh, reveal yourself to us, and uh, I'm just thankful for your spirit and uh, pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and grab a seat. So it is uh, really good to be here with y'all. Uh, as we said, my name is Jason, and this is my family in the front. Uh, so if you notice one of my children nodding off, uh, you, can, you, can, you can wake them up. This is Mateo, our oldest, who's 11. Reese is nine. Elijah is, is how old are you? Five going on 12, and then, and then my wife, Lauren. Um, I introduce you because it's pretty special to be with you guys uh, on this Sunday that we, we are part of the Reno Church, and uh, here's the reality, and I'll say this for you, that wherever you are in life, we feel like the whole world is right in front of us, and uh, every time I get to be a part of Living Stones and go somewhere else to one of the other churches, I'm reminded that Life is a lot bigger than what's going on in my little world, uh, but here's the, the reality, that what God is doing in this world is way bigger than us, and uh, I get to come to, to, to Fernley to really see that, to see what God is doing. Uh, it's pretty special to be a part of something bigger than ourselves, and so that's why I'm really, really glad to be a part of this. Um, I have been a pastor 
I don't know, for 11, 11-ish years now up there. And uh, when you hear me preach, you're, you're going to be like, that guy's been doing this for 11 years and kind of laugh. I know Tim told you it was my 93rd birthday, but I'm just immature. I'm behind the game a little bit. Uh, I'm learning. Um, but here's what I stand up here to say, that uh, no matter how long I've done this, I don't feel confident enough to do this, um, mostly because it is God that we're, that we're seeking. It is God who is perfect. And so my standard for preaching is like way through the roof. And I know that, that I may have given you a decent impression when we interact, but if you know me for longer than five minutes, you're like, this dude is a mess and he's gonna teach us about God. That's my thought coming up here. But here's the reality that God gave us his word, and he didn't just leave it at that. He gave us the spirit of God. And the reason he gave us those two things is he wants to be known. He wants us not just to guess who he is or, or predict who we think he should be, uh, but we want to know him for what he actually, who he actually is. And so that's why we're here. That's why I can have uh, confidence and boldness in coming here. I also want to say, as I'm talking about what God is doing, God is doing something in Fernley. He not only is doing something in this church, but in the city, there are neighbors around you guys that he is calling. And so uh, I, just, I just am super grateful to be here. I also wanted to, to point out Danielle and Ryan uh, have been around for a while. I don't know if you guys know this. I know that the church here is newer, um, but how long have we known each other? How long did you, go, did you guys get, get married? Nine years ago. Nine years ago. So almost my whole tenure have I known these two, and uh, they took a little a long vacation down in South America. You should hear about it. And so they, they took a little, little break away from this area. But coming back and seeing your faces, you guys look the same or maybe even younger. Um, but it is special to be able to do ministry with people and just know people over the long haul. And so that's what I'm praying for in this church, that God would continue to move uh, and that in 10 years, you guys would have friendships and relationships like these two. So it's really good to see you guys. Glad to be here with you. All right, so let's go to the text. So uh, I got a call kind of last minute on this and on this text, and I'm like, okay, it's Mark, so there's probably some story that's coming along that I can just jump into and learn pretty quickly. But there's some depth behind this passage. So when I went, I read it, I'm like, hey, no wonder Tim's given this one to me. Uh, so, but I'm gonna give it my best, my best shot. Um, but I, I want to start with just kind of, as I was processing the text um, and really thinking about my life, I, I was reminded of, uh, of just a story. As you guys can see, I have three younger kids, and in the middle of COVID last year, in the, in the heat of the summer, uh, I was driving around in my car, and I started to smell this little smell. Uh, don't judge me, but there was a little smell going on in my car, and I kind of ignored it for a day or two. And then a buddy of mine borrowed, a, borrowed my car and he goes, dude, what's going on in your car? There's a stench. And so I was like, yeah, I think you're right. And so immediately I'm like, I'm gonna get rid of the stench. I, I, I'll go and take my car and get a car wash. So I went through the car wash. I had people clean it out, do all that stuff. And uh, I thought I was good. And I'm driving away, windows are up in the heat. And I'm like, the stench is still there. And so I'm like, what is it? What is going on? And so I'd, I did what every guy would do. Women would probably pull over and fix it right there. But I rolled down my windows. I'm like, if I leave my windows down long enough, we'll get some, we'll get some air in here and it'll go away. Well, 
you're laughing because you know. It didn't go away. It even got worse. And I'm like, did something die in my car? I tear it apart. Um, and then I knew the secret. Febreze. I'm like, I'm going to go buy some Febreze, and I'm going to Febreze this thing all over. Nothing. So um, when I'm desperate, what I end up doing is tell my wife, I confess that I have this nasty smell, and I want to see if she can help me get it out. She's got a keen sense of smell, and so she was able to detect it uh, immediately what she did. She started sniffing around, found that um, I'm not sure one of these three, you guys could talk about them, but they have, they, they have uh, these, what are they that you guys spilled? What is it? Little protein shakes that they take with them. And I think the protein shake might have a little, a, a little dairy in them, and so it kind of it got a little musty. But they spilt it in the back seat. In order to take this stench out, my wife had to scrub the heck out of it and really get, get down in there deep. And uh, I, I remember the day when I drove, drove, drove my car in the heat, uh, and I finally didn't have that nastiness in the midst of it. Uh, but here's how it relates to this passage. Uh, the passage gets into, if you were able to follow it, this idea of, of being unclean, um, defiled. And I will tell you, when I was driving around in that heat, there was something defiled in the midst of my car. Uh, but when you see that something's defiled, when you see that there's something wrong with something, it needs a cleansing. And my car needed a cleansing, but it wasn't just any cleansing. There was a specific root to, to, to what needed to be cleaned. And so what we're going to see in today's passage is that uh, I think it's similar to our lives. I think theoretically we're in church, and so you could say we're going to talk about sin. But here's the reality, and here's the big idea by this passage. Do you, do you see your sin, and do you recognize your need to be cleansed? Do you see your sin, and do you see your need to be cleansed. That's the big idea. And if you guys could go, you could get up and leave if you need to. But I want you to wrestle, engage with that one question and that subject. Because I, my hope and prayer for us is that not only that we kind of have some idea of it, but we actually wrestle with not what is just a, an external cleansing, like me taking the car to the car wash, but what is the deep cleansing that will actually get the smell out, that will actually deal with the root of it. So here's my outline. Here's where we're going. Um, I, this is a long passage. And so for me to unpack everything in this passage would take way too long. Um, so I'm going to jump around, but I will give you the big idea as I've studied it. So there's, there's three points that I'm going to make. Uh, we're all, verses 1 through 5 talk about that we all need cleansing. Um, verses 6 through 13 jump into how we attempt to cleanse ourselves. And then 14 through 23 talks about how we actually are cleansed. Uh, so, so let's read verses 1 through 5 again, and I'll jump into um, the fact that we all need cleansing. So verse, verse 1 says, Now when the Pharisees gathered to him, some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem saw that some of the disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed, for the Pharisees and the, did not eat unless they had washed their hands properly holding to the tradition of the elders. And now I'm going to jump down just for sake of time to verse 5. And the Pharisees and the scribes were with him and said, why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders? So I want to set the scene here a little bit. 
So Jesus is hanging out with the disciples. It says Pharisees and scribes join him. Jesus had just been doing miracles. He's kind of this famous dude walking around. And they ask what seems to be an innocent question. They were taught, the Pharisees, that everybody needed to wash their hands before eating a meal. And so they ask Jesus this question, why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders? And as you saw, if you read ahead or as we read it together, Jesus has a pretty stern reaction. Jesus is gentle, but something pushes his button here. Um, what is going on is that it was the tradition of the Pharisees to wash their hands. And, and as you read and get to know the Old Testament, here's where they were coming from and why this was that way. So they used to worship in the tabernacle and then became the temple. And in the temple in the Old Testament was the presence of God. And so there were all of, there was the, the Ten Commandments, as you all know, the law of God, but there were all sorts of other laws around these laws that really helped people worship. And so the, wall, the, the laws were in place, and, and many of them were called the ceremonial laws. But then the ceremonial laws were even broken down in, even more into the clean laws. And the clean laws were laws of how you would have to be cleaned before you could go into the temple because the presence of God was in there. They didn't just let you show up after working on the farm all day, a dirty mess, and then go into the temple that you needed to clean. And there were, there were several laws for that. Some of those laws stated, an example, the priests, anytime they ate or went into, went into the temple, they needed to wash their hands. Another thing that if you, another law was that if you um, touched a dead body or if you touched um, a dead animal, that you couldn't come into the temple for 10 days. Uh, the list goes on and on, and, and I won't bore you with it, but I think it's necessary for us to see that there was something about dirt and decay and disease that, that couldn't be ignored when you come in the presence of God. And here's the bigger idea behind it. The presence of God is holy. It is perfect. And so what dirt and disease and decay are is a physical example. They do to our body what sin does to our soul. Follow me because I'll, 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 I'll bring it home here in just a second. In the Old Testament, these laws of cleansing were important because they saw that dirt represented sin to the soul, to the physical body as to the soul. And so all of this is, is really going back. What Jesus is addressing in the midst of it is that, that the, the Pharisees are talking about laws that they're following and they are rigid and they're pointing out somebody else not following them. And Jesus's response is saying, you're missing it. That you see the law that was about cleansing going into the temple, but the point of those laws was to compare it to sin that I'm not sure, and this is what Jesus is saying, I'm not sure that you see the point of all of this. And so I want us to pull back. So we understand the Old Testament, the cleansing laws, the temple, we needed to be clean to go into the temple. But it's all pointing to sin. It's all pointing to the fact that just like if you were working all day or camping or backpacking for a week, the smell would be similar to the smell in my car and it needs a cleansing. But Jesus is saying, you're missing the point, and we need to ask ourselves, do we see that sin does the same thing to our soul? So church, I need, I need you to ask, answer this question to yourselves, but think about it. Do you see sin in your life? Do you see uh, 
that you need Jesus and that you need cleansing. And that's not, I, I know you're at church, and so I know if I were to pick on somebody here uh, and I would ask you that direction, that question, you know the right answer is yes. But do you know, do you believe underneath that? Here's what I wanna say. I think if you're not sure or you don't see your sin underneath that, I, I want you to look at the pain in this world, the pain in your life. Have you ever thought and asked? It's crazy if we look at history, the wars and the amount of the blood that has been spilled over wars. Or look back this last year in and through COVID. And obviously we had, uh, there, there was a lot of political division that ran into our families and we saw conflict and division everywhere. Sin is a part of that. Sin is a part of wars. If you look at families, families this last year have been, have been broken up, but it's not just this last year. Divorce has been something uh, that has been an issue for a really long time. And what comes from divorce is pain. So if you want to look for sin, not just on the big scale of your life, and we're asking the question, do you see the sin in your life and, and, and hence the need to be cleansed? What we need to do is look at the pain in our lives to see, to see our sin. I will say for me personally, it's, it's been an up and down season, but really painful week for me, primarily because um, I have been close to my family or want to be close to my family, and I hurt them. I found out that I hurt them pretty bad uh, recently, and, and it, 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 it's hard. It's hard, but, but I'm going to tell you this. What I've seen and through the pain in my life, and I want to invite you to investigate, the pain leads us to see sin. And, and not just washing our hands and doing an action, but sin leads us to say, we need to be fixed. We need a cleansing. So that leads the question in the next section to what does it look like to actually cleanse? So the second part, as I said, is verses six through 13. Um, look at this idea that when we see the need to cleanse, we wanna cleanse ourselves. So how do you cleanse? What does that actually look like in your life? When I smelt that smell, there was an immediate reaction that I took it to get a car wash. And then when that didn't work, I tried something else and tried something else. Um, but here's what I want, and I want you to hear this, that when you see the sin in your life, Jesus doesn't want action. He doesn't just want behavior modification. He wants your heart. That's the heart of this, of this section. So, what, so I'm gonna continue in verse six, right after, I'll start in verse five. The Pharisee said, why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but they eat with defiled hands? And he said to them, well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. So like I said, when I read this, I was like, whoa, Jesus, that is an intense response. But it's an intense response for a reason. And the reason is what he's getting at, the button that was pushed is saying, you guys are missing it. And I think it's really easy to just say, I'm not like the Pharisees. The Pharisees are easy to, to, be, to push away. But here's what I need you to hear, that we all have a little Pharisee inside of us. And so if we don't allow God's word to read us, we just read it 
and then judge everybody else, then I think that's part of the problem. And Jesus is, is talking to you. He's calling many people in the church who would come to church just like you guys on a Sunday. He's calling them hypocrites. Why is he using so, such strong language? Why? Uh, Jesus said that I am gentle and lowly in heart. He's saying at the core of me, I am gentle and lowly, but this response doesn't feel very gentle or very lowly. And I will say it is because it is so extreme, but many, the, the Pharisees don't realize that it's extreme. The Pharisees um, aren't at a place where they know how far off they are. They think they're doing everything right. So here's what I, want you to, what, what I want from you guys. I want you to see yourself and start asking, how am I like a Pharisee? And, and here's the biggest thing of what he points out that the Pharisees are doing. What the Pharisees are doing is they're judging other people instead of looking at themselves. So l- let's see a show of hands. How many people are married in here? All right. So to those married people, is it easier to see when you're in an argument with your spouse is it easier to see where you were wrong in an argument or where your spouse is, uh, is wrong in an argument? That's a question. <laughs> Nobody's answering it. Oh, because your spouses are sitting next to you. You know, you know. All right, I'll answer it for you. It is easy to see what's wrong with your spouse, but it is not easy to see what's wrong with you. Here's Jesus' words to you. We are, you are hypocrites. You can see what other people are doing wrong, but you don't have awareness of seeing how you actually need to be cleansed. That's Jesus' word to you today. And so by the power of the Spirit, when when we go through a time of confession here, when we say, I want to confess, if you recognize an area of sin against the Holy God, it is a gift that you have been led to a point where you could actually say something. Because our natural tendency... What is normal is that you'd see others. And then what what happens and what this text shows is that what the Pharisees were doing is they were trying to do the right thing, but it just elevated themselves. It was self-centered. Look at this. It says in verse six or in verse seven, in vain do they worship me. In vain do they worship me. That's oxymoron. It's saying worship, which is finding the highest value in God, is for them individually. And so I think it's easy for us to say, to bring this church thing about me, I would about you individually, but I think following Jesus can easily be shifted and we can miss the point and we can make it about us. Showing up on Sunday or even Tim or myself that this sermon could be about us. But here's what Jesus is, is really pushing them toward. He said, your heart is from, far from me. So he doesn't want your action, he wants your heart. So it begs the question, what the heck is a heart? I think I have a definition up there. Here's a definition of of what the heart, what Jesus is referring to in the original language. It's an internal compass or a guiding system, a honing beacon that leads you to what you find most beautiful. So church, what is it that you find most beautiful? What do you just naturally gravitate to when no one's around? That is what Jesus is calling out. Is it, is it looking good? Is it success? Is it busyness? Is it maybe bitterness? 
All of these things are things that point us to what, to, to what you find most beautiful. And when Jesus says he wants us, he wants our hearts, he wants us to find him most beautiful. So Jesus wants your action, not your hearts. That's what he's rebuking the Pharisees over. All right, so our attempt to cleanse ourselves it's what, is what is most natural. We wanna make this church thing about us and we want to do the right things so that we make ourselves look good and, and we judge other people that make them, uh, to, to kind of lower them. But Jesus said, take the log out of your own eye before you ask somebody to take the speck out of theirs. So what Jesus is calling us to, if we don't wanna be hypocrites, we better be well aware of our sin. And so if we're well aware of our sin, then that leads us to actually be in a posture and a place that's ready to receive what actual cleansing should look like. So how are we actually cleansed, which is the last section that we'll jump into. Um, and, and I'll read verse 14 and 15 just to, just to give you the big idea of this section. Then Jesus basically says the same thing that he just said. He says, and he called the people to him again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand there is nothing outside of a person that by going into him can defile them, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him. The things that come out of a person are what defile him. So what is Jesus saying? He says in uh, three times here, in 15, 17, and verse 23, he says that, that basically you must be cleansed from the inside out, not the outside in. Let me, let me give you a modern day example of this. Uh, when we do New Year's resolutions in January, and I know some of y'all are guilty of, of pursuing that, but it's only July and you're probably no longer, you're on to the next thing. The reason New Year's resolutions don't work is because we're trying to, self-help tells us that if I get a habit on the external, it'll actually change me internally. I wanna exercise. I need to just start an exercise program and it'll, it'll start making me more fit. But here's the reality. Jesus wants the heart. He doesn't want your actions. And the way that we're changed, the way that we're actually cleansed is by, by changing your heart. And so that's what the whole Sermon on the Mount is actually about. It's taking the law, which all of these things at the end, um, what does it say? Verse 21 says, for from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All of those things are looking at the 10 commandments. And so Jesus is saying, if you really examine yourself from the 10 commandments, you'll never stand up. But the way to fix yourself and the way to live up to the law is not just to try real hard. It's not going to happen through volition. In fact, if you try real hard, church, to, to do the right things, Jesus is gonna call you a hypocrite. What you need is an actual cleansing, and what that cleansing is is a new heart. So I wanna pull up uh, a, a verse from Ezekiel. So in the Old Testament, Ezekiel knows all these cleansing rule, laws well, he knows the Ten Commandments well, and this is what God prophesied through the prophet Ezekiel. He says, and I will give you a new heart. 
a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. When we see something wrong, church, what we want to do is fix it. We want to change. And so some of you in here are exhausted, trying really hard not to yell at your kids anymore or trying not to prioritize uh, work and, and because success can become one of the most important things. But Jesus is saying here that cleansing doesn't come from the outside in, it comes from the inside out. And so here's the heart. Here, here's the core of this message is that, that you need to hear that if you are struggling in here, if you wouldn't find you, call yourselves a Christian, what you don't need is to clean yourself up. You need a new heart. That that new heart, what it says, I will put my spirit within you and I will cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. So what it's saying is your new heart will actually out, inside out, when you have a new heart, that means you're gonna have a, a, a different internal compass. What it means, if you are in here and you are broken and all you know is that you want to do the things of God, but you just can't, what I wanna say to you is that I want you to be encouraged. That if you are broken in here and all you want is God, but you keep messing up, he is changing your heart because that, that is evidence that you have a new heart. If you don't see your need for Jesus, what we need to do is ask him for the new heart in order to obey. Um, so through this passage, here's what I kept reading it. And I'm like, where's the hope in this passage? It just shows that the Pharisees are wicked. It shows what doesn't work. But I think it's supposed to do that. In reading this passage, and it's talking about what not to do, what not to do, what not to do. And then it says, the only hope that you have is to get a new heart. Well, I want you to hear that what Jesus came to do was give you a new heart. The only way that you could have that open heart surgery, if you will, the only way that you could get a new internal compass that would find Jesus more beautiful than anything would be through his spirit. And not just through his spirit, it would be through somebody who could actually live a perfect life, pay the consequence for, for, your, for your sin and the things that, that were impacting or dirtying your soul. And so when Jesus, and I want you to picture him going to the cross, what was his journey to the cross like? He was forced to carry the cross on his back. And so he was sweating. He's getting dirty. He spit on and then when he goes to the cross and he's hanging up there, everybody, the people that are, that, that are going against him uh, are the ones he's actually dying for. The ones that needed it most are the ones that he's giving himself to because he was the only one that could actually accomplish this to give, to give these people and you guys his spirit. What Jesus said to his disciples at the end of his ministry was he said, it's better that I go because the spirit can come. What he's saying is that it was better that I go because the only way you could get a new heart, that you could be fully cleansed, is through the cross and what Jesus actually did. But here's where there's hope. If you are struggling in here, if there is pain in your life, and let me just say this. Um, I told you, and I, I haven't totally wrestled enough emotionally with me 
being able to talk about some of the struggle and the pain with my family, but I know that I'm called to stand up here and live out what we're supposed to be preaching. But I want you guys to follow, and here's what I know looking at my life. When I give an honest assessment of my life, I have a lot of pain that I'm carrying. I think one thing in general that we know is that people might show up to church with a smile, but this last year, uh, these last few months, there have been a lot of, there is a lot of pain right now in and through this community. And, uh, and, and I don't just say that because I know the community, I just know people and I know sin. And where there is pain, there is a need for cleansing. So I, church, I want you to press in with that pain. Don't just check out on Sundays and say, Jesus is good, that's my hope. He, Jesus came and met you wants to meet you in the midst of your pain, and he wants you to hear that because of what he did as he went to the cross, it was the answer. He is actually paying the price that will be the full cleansing, something that you can't do on your own. He just wants you to acknowledge and surrender it in the process. And so uh, I want to invite the band up to, to, to lead us into communion. I want to pray for us, but I want to leave you uh, with a couple of quick thoughts. A couple of quick thoughts and application. The first one is that sin is dirty. And so, so the analogy of dirt, disease, and decay being the equivalent to sin, I don't want you to mess around with sin. If you've been convicted of sin, um, I hope and pray that as we go out of here, that you would take it seriously because it is damaging. It is damaging to your soul. But the second thing, the second application, that 1 John 3 says if we, are, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness and he will cleanse us. That's what it says. He is faithful to cleanse you. He has given you a new heart May we receive it and recognize that in the midst of sin that we can confess it together. So I wanna pray for us and then I'll lead us into communion. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your patience with us, but also your ability to uh, just call us out. I'm thankful that, that Jesus uh, came to make an impact, that Jesus came for not just to um, tell us soft, good things that make us feel good, but to actually be the solution to our actual problem. And so in the midst of the pain in this room, Father, I just ask that you would meet them. I know that your spirit is, is present, and I know that you want to connect with your people, and you want to draw them to Jesus. And so, Father, I pray that in the midst of the pain, that you would Give those who don't yet have a heart to see and value your things as most beautiful. Um, but, I, but I pray for those that do have a new heart, that you would give them hope, that you would be with them, that you would give them peace in the midst of the suffering. For your glory, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.